You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The South African Reserve Bank's Monetary Policy Committee today slashed interest rates in the Republic of South Africa via the repo rate by lowering it from 6.25% to 5.25%. With me now is the head of SA Investments at 91 in Cape Town, and that's Nazmira Muller. How refreshing to see a bold move, Nazmira. I think it was good to see. I think it was very appropriate. It certainly wasn't more than was appropriate. It was very appropriate in the circumstances. 1%, some people looking for one5 to 2%. That was never going to happen. But just tell me what happened before the announcement was made. Was there any preamble about potential future cuts as well? Not really. The governor was at pains to say that they have effectively brought forward all of the cuts that the QPM, their, their forecasting model was projecting and they added an extra 25 basis points that they would be watching the data carefully so they certainly have aren't promising more cuts at this point in time but i think as the data develops both in terms of inflation surprising lower than their forecast though they have lowered their forecast quite considerably i think the recent fall in the oil price has not been fully factored into their numbers and growth comes in a fair bit worse than the minus 0.2% that they are now forecasting for 2020, I think that will open up room for them to cut more in the future. Okay, lots to talk about. You say they're going to be watching data. Let's have a look at the immediate data that we've got, and that's the astonishing fall in the oil price, which, lest we forget, during the Iran-US skirmish went to $70 a barrel. That was just a moment in time and not much traded there. But then it was hovering around 55 to 60 for quite a while, and then suddenly, here we are. The new normal below $30 a barrel. Very good for South Africa despite the weakness in the RAND because the fall in the oil price has superseded the weakness in the RAND, I think. I think that's very much the case. And we've seen um, the RAND oil price plunge over the course of the last while. One of the reasons why Sassol's share prices come under so much pressure is they care about that RAND oil price. Um, and I think also just the weakness in demand that's going to come as you shut down large portions of the economy to deal with um, the prospect of coronavirus. So I think 100 basis points was entirely appropriate. Um, What concerned me a little bit was that the Reserve Bank was so keen to position this as a normal MPC meeting that they have ignored the other issues that they need to deal with like the functioning of the government bond markets or the fact that the banks need to start figuring out how they're going to be dealing with their consumers who aren't able to make regular payments. Which is something that has been addressed by certain other banks, particularly in the developed world. I mean, for example, a 90-day moratorium on bond payments, I think, in the United States and maybe a similar thing in the United Kingdom. Do you think that the MPC meeting was the right forum for that? And in fact, they're doing it behind the scenes and there will be some separate announcement. What is your assessment? I would hope that they're doing it behind the scenes and that there will be some separate announcement at some stage. Um, my understanding is that the banks are very eager to try and figure this out. And one of the hurdles they are facing is the risk of being seen as anti-competitive. So that is something the Minister of Trade and Industry apparently has the power to sign a waiver, I suppose would be the word, um, yes. on, on this. And it's five days after Cyril Ramaphosa's announcement on Sunday. Why the Minister of Trade and Industry hasn't done this is not clear to me, but apparently they are waiting for that. Um, so your question, Lindsay, was, was this the appropriate time to discuss those measures? No, 
I agree with you. You couldn't go into the details. But I think acknowledging that these are extraordinary times, that the interest rate is only one aspect of that, and that they will be working with the banks as the regulator of banks, the Reserve Bank is also the regulator, to understand how they best deal with this, whether they can provide waivers, how they deal with this in terms of banks' capital adequacy, it would have been entirely appropriate. Um, the other thing they could have dealt with was the monetary policy transmission mechanism. And that that is the shortage that they artificially create in the money markets, which means that they supply money to the banking system every Wednesday at their repo auctions. Yes. And what we're finding at the moment is that the government bond market is not functioning. Government bonds have sold off 250 basis points since last week, Thursday, because of a lack of liquidity. And we need to find ways to deal with that. We've seen central banks around the world make that a big part of their announcements. The U.S. Treasury massively stepped up repo auctions, and then they moved on to directly buying government bonds. I'm not suggesting we get to to the latter one. I'm not suggesting we monetize government debt, but just liquidity provision by the Reserve Bank is vital, and they're not doing it. So maybe there are plans to do it. Maybe there's a lot of discussion happening in the background, but it would have been entirely appropriate in the statement to say, we acknowledge the liquidity issues in the South African government bond market, we will be addressing these in due course because we want to ensure the functioning of the monetary policy transmission mechanism remains intact. That's all they needed to say. Instead, they offered bland theory and deliberately avoided addressing the big elephant in the room. Okay, that's a technical issue that most people won't understand, including myself. But I do know the backdrop is that Andrew Bailey, who's only been the Bank of England governor, taking over from Mark Carney for three days, and he's cut the interest rate in the United Kingdom from 0.25% to 0.1%, announced quantitative easing measures uh, to the tune of $200 billion, taking the total number to $645 billion. And we know what the Fed has done on two occasions, interest rates and a massive, massive injection of liquidity in t- into the system. And that's put the US 10-year bond all over the place. So you would like to see some kind of, nothing as dramatic as that, of course, but you'd like to see some kind of intent uh, to, to follow those two developed world banks. Let me try and make it simple because you're right. I, ha- I have overcomplicated it to, to, to some extent. But there's a difference between a situation where the Reserve Bank allows a bank to go to them with government bonds as collateral and they take the collateral, the government bonds, and they give them cash. Yes, That's liquidity provision. There's no, no money being created in that situation. All they're doing is they, they're ensuring that no forced sale of the government bond happens when the bank needs cash. The second situation that's happening in the rest of the world is quantitative easing, where the central bank buys government bonds and prints money. What I am suggesting is South Africa needs the first one. We, we simply need liquidity to be provided. That, I'm not suggesting money being printed. Does that also suggest that the 250 basis points that you spoke of earlier on, the movement in the local bond market was simply because there was a vacuum and no one was buying and selling? Well, there were a lot more sellers than buyers. Um, but part of the issue is that there aren't a normal market mechanism where the banks function as primary dealers, where they step in. That has dried up significantly because there is a big concern by the banks about holding government bonds on their balance sheets on an available for sale basis, which in, due to the accounting standards means that there's big movements on their balance sheet with the price of bonds fluctuating. 
Let's go back to your data watching comment from earlier on as well. We've spoken about the oil price. What is their projection now for consumer price inflation and indeed core inflation? Because with the oil doing what it's, what it's doing, they must be revising down their numbers, not dramatically, but certainly significantly. So the Saab now has inflation at 3.8% in 2020 and 4.6% in 2021. And core inflation, 3.9% in 2020. Um, 4.3% in 2021. So very moderate inflation. Effectively, inflation is below the 4.5% midpoint range for most of the next three years. So inflation is not an issue at this point in time. No, it's not. And GDP is not an issue either, unless you, unless you expect it to be positive, because even the very conservative South African Reserve Bank has said probably minus 0.2% for 2020, which is in anybody's books, recession. Many people saying it could be a lot worse than that. What do you say? I think what is difficult at the moment is a lot of this is being driven by how long the restrictions around coronavirus last. And that is not clear at this point in time. And if it's a China situation where you have two months of lockdown and then Hubei is apparently removing most of its last restrictions in the course of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If that's the case, then what you have is a fairly sharp recession, and which, which improves dramatically as you go into the second half of the year. But that is the question. Yes, and it's a fluid situation. I mean, as I'm speaking to you and we're pre-recording this podcast, Nazmira, the US dollar versus the euro, the euro dollar exchange rate has just fallen below 107. We saw the British pound fall against the, the mighty US dollar to a 35-year low today at around about 114.5, the worst level for the pound since 1985. The dollar is in the ascendancy, which also has dramatic implications in the future uh, for the South African rand and therefore everything we've been speaking about. It does. Um, I suspect you're going to see that normalise at some stage. I think what's happening right now is you have a flight to quality, and that's a lot of what's driving the dollar at this point in time. Overall, were you happy with what you heard this afternoon? It was fine. It was much less than was needed. The magnitude of the interest rate cut, it was very good to see that. But the other measures that needed to be dealt with, particularly the monetary policy transmission mechanism, Um, but also just a commitment to working with banks as the regulator to ensure that their mandate for banking sector regulation, ensuring the well-functioning of the economy, um, remains intact. Those are the things I wanted to see as well. Nazmira, thank you very much for your analysis. That's Nazmira Muller, who's the head of SA Investments at 91 in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.